Helping children whose parents are divorcing on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. And this week on the podcast, I am excited that we have one of our board members, Dr. Kevin Backus. Uh, he is the pastor at BPC in Grand Island, New York. Uh, he's also a professor at several different seminaries, Western Reformed and Reformed Presbyterian, and uh, maybe most recently, Greenville Presbyterian as well. He's a director of two of our training centers, Western Reformed, and then also the, the Biblical Counseling Center of Grand Island. And uh, Kevin, you've actually been a certified member when we were NANC back in 1994-95 and been serving on the board for quite some time, which we're so thankful for that service. We're so grateful that you're here. Thanks for coming. It's a real joy to be a part of it, to watch us grow and have new opportunities. Amen, brother. And uh, today, man, we're talking about kind of a, a tough subject subject, a difficult subject, and, and life is full of those types of difficulties uh, when we're talking about children, uh, and, and it's hard to think about children suffering uh, and children walking through difficulty, but it is true, and when we think about children who are going through, their parents are going through a divorce, can you talk about just how difficult that is, and uh, is this something that's even personal to you? Dale, it, it is. Uh, most of the folks that know me don't know the fact that I've had five fathers uh, throughout my life, so um I started out in an orphanage, and my mother was married four times, so I've been through divorce uh, at least four times, and I've been adopted twice and orphaned twice. So I've kind of walked through some of it, and most often when I look at the things that are happening to uh, young people, especially in those earlier years going through divorce, mm. get, have not had an opportunity to live through all of them. I don't think that's what gives us answers. Um, sure. Uh, I don't think you have to experience a problem to be able to counsel, but I, it certainly does give me a perspective on some of it. Yeah, it gives you a perspective, and it gives you a, a distinct language uh, to be able to describe some of the things that a child might question or think or, or wonder uh, when that's happening and, and how to how to process that with with a, a child's vocabulary uh, is sometimes sometimes most difficult. Uh, but as we get into that, what, what are some of the most common reactions of children? Uh, when they hear that their parents are, are divorcing? Yeah, not the most exhaustive list, but I just kind of look at it in four main categories. The, mm -hmm. the first is that the children begin to act out. They, uh, they're, they're brought into a situation, the parents begin to divide, and they begin to uh, exhibit the kinds of behaviors that would never have been allowed before mm -hmm. in, in a home. And sometimes parents acting out of their own guilt, what did I do to my child? How could I get them into this situation? Uh, begin to make allowances for that. And I think that doesn't help the, the child at all. Especially it doesn't reinforce the, the fact of the probably what most parents have always said to their children, you know, I discipline you because I love you and I care for you. And all of a sudden you're doing things that would have brought the roof down and now nobody's doing anything mm. about it. And you wonder once again, what happened? I have one parent gone. I have another parent who's just sort of checked out on me in some of these things. Mm. And it really doesn't follow the pattern that, uh, the Lord shows us the ethical standard for the way we treat one another as Christians is God's treatment of us. Mm. And God tells us that he chastens every son that he loves. Mm. And so it's important to, even though it might go against a natural grain in us, it's important for us not to let down those standards uh, when we have uh, young people who are experiencing that challenge and acting out as a result. 
Um, a second way is that uh, I call it acting adult. Um, and pr we probably live in a day where too often we let children continue to um, just engage in self-centered, self-focused behavior mm. uh, at great length. But it's a tendency to want to look at, a, at children going through divorce and treat them like a peer, mm. treat them like our pal, especially mm. as a parent who's feeling uh, alone and looking for to, to make sure they're communicating. But you begin to encourage your son to be the man of the house, encourage your daughter to take mom's place. Mm -hmm. And instead of it continuing through life, experiencing some of the normal activities for children that age, we can grow up really mm -hmm. fast. And, uh, and sometimes that's not a good thing. You know, Paul mm -hmm. talks about when I became a man, I put away childish things. Mm -hmm. He wasn't teaching uh, particularly on this topic, but the implication is that the norm for a child is to have childlike experiences as they're growing up, and we don't want to rob them of that. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing is that, we, that, that guilt tends to characterize us, uh, especially as parents. And, and uh, you know, I just uh, think of the way that you deal with that with a child. Um, usually parent, parents who are divorcing, at least one of them, is uh, not reticent to blame shift. That's kind of the normal response we have to things that make us feel guilty. And children are often there. I can remember times sitting behind the wing chair um, just to take cover while the arguments are going on and hearing people, you know, hearing a father uh, talk about the fact that they weren't planning to have children and having a child was a problem and, mm. and that's why they were leaving the relationship. Well, those thoughts implanted at an early age mm. can stay with you for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so the children often have this heavy sense that they've been responsible for a marriage breaking up. Mm -hmm. And if there's something they could do differently, maybe they could get it back together. And even if that's not the case, they, they carry that guilt with them. Mm -hmm. you know, we just all have a basic principle. I think biblical counselors know that, that we're 100% responsible for what we do. You know, that child doesn't make their parent do anything. And if they actually were guilty for something, we know how to address guilt and, and how to deal with it. But we need to, to lift that off their shoulders. And then the other final thing I think that's a main characteristic is that we see that uh, children often uh, become very fearful. Mm -hmm. the, the most uh, fearful thing for young people actually used to be going to see the principal. But now it's that your parents are going to divorce because mm -hmm. so many children at early ages have watched other children go through that. So it's not a novel experience anymore. And it's one of the scariest things that they face. Um, there are so many times that we need to re rest in God that even though we're in the middle of this very difficult and scary situation, uh, sort of like Ishmael and Hagar out in the middle of the wilderness, to realize that there is a God who, who lives, who is directing your life, who sees the situation you're in and has a plan to bring about blessing in your life, and actually trust God in those times. It's one thing to trust that there is a God, it's another thing to trust the promises yeah, of God in those times. That's a good distinction. So those are the four uh, main characteristics that I tend to see with the young people when their parents are going through divorce. Yeah, no, those are so insightful because they're dealing with uh, the, the child on multiple levels, uh, not just emotionally, but even uh, the identity that the child begins to take on and, and concerns and fears and, and so on, and, and the ways that parents are contributing to, to some of those things. Uh, you know, one of the things that I describe in uh, in children, or particularly parents toward their children in divorce, is I call it parenting out of a deficit, where the, the parent feels guilty, and so yeah, as you described, some of the, the the freedom that the child now has is often a parent feels guilty, so that they don't want to lord over 
this this child uh, because of some of the problems that, that they're facing at that moment. And, and so now the reality comes where you've described the problem well, but when in the counseling room, uh, how do we help parents through this process? How do we counsel them through this issue of divorce uh, as they're working through it? And then wisdom that we can give them on how to address some of these issues with, with their children. I think you, what you said is, is really important. I was flying down here and on the plane, you know, that you hear the same re- safety speech all the time. Mm. And one of them is that in the event that these oxygen masks drop down, mm. you know, what are you supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to put it on yourself mm. before you try and help someone else. Mm. And for the, for parents, they so often come in and want you to help their child. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing I can do, or you can do is mm-hmm. to try and help them process these same things. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, uh, for example, when we think about, um, when we think about the guilt uh, that so often affects the, as you mentioned, why they're why they're letting children get away with different behaviors, why they're trying to have their child become their companion, mm-hmm. all of those things. I think some very practical things. The first is to be f- focused primarily upon the Lord and the promises that He makes for them at that time. It's not just that the children need to know that God is there and has a plan for them. Mm-hmm. It's the, it starts with the parents understanding mm-hmm. that and to understand that although this is the, and maybe in their world or in their mind, the worst thing that could have happened in their life, that it really is a part of God's plan for them. And in the same way that Hagar was sitting out in the middle of the wilderness and looking around and thinking, this is it, our life is over. I'm going to set my child down here and go over here so I don't have to watch him die. Mm. God says, you know what? I actually have a plan to, to make a great nation out of you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something we have to understand and help parents to see. Uh, when Instead of um, trying to have a child become your companion, I think it's uh, important that in the body of Christ, we work to find ways to help uh, a single parent, whether it's a single father or a single mother, to have good, solid, encouraging, support, biblically supportive relationships so that they're not dependent upon their children for that. And that's not always easy. Um, even at times, Christian women look differently at a woman who's a single mom mm-hmm. with children and to actually help encourage in the church uh, other families to include them in their activities, mm-hmm. normal activities, very important. Um, I think we can go out of our way to try and make their life as stable as possible. There's so many changes that are out of your control. Your economic circumstances change. You may have to move, go to a different church or a different neighborhood for a whole vast set of reasons. The, as, a, as a church, we can come alongside and help people find ways to minimize those changes where possible, help them stay in a community that they're used to. If not, get them in a church that's a, a sister organization and tie them into ministry, keep those connections open for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things all coming alongside in that way all can be so helpful to parents. Uh, in, in our church, the other thing I think is important is that we don't leave them at the time of divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of, a, I don't know, every state is going to be different for, for folks. Some have no fault divorce, some don't. And when you get into those, those contested divorces, uh, sometimes Christians are burdened and trying to get an instrument or a decision and decree from the court that spells out the biblical grounds for divorce. And depending on the laws in the state, uh, some attorneys will do whatever they can to keep those from going into a document. You don't want to have adultery as a grounds for divorce in case somebody just cheated on the judge's daughter and they'll throw the book at you. Christians often go through enormous gymnastics, give up rights, give up economic support for their children because they're trying to negotiate that in. So in my case, I think we want to meet with the family, certainly ahead of time. And a church should adjudicate whether or not there's biblical grounds for a divorce and then free them up from that responsibility. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound uh, so much as more like 
coaching them for conflict. But another important part is not to leave them in the hands of an attorney mm. who is going to undermine their Christian beliefs, because mm. they certainly can. To take somebody from your church in one of the most vulnerable times of their life and to put them in the hands of a, a specialist in matrimonial law who may be hostile to the Christian faith, mm. um, often at very vulnerable times, puts a philosophy in the mind of, a, of a, a young wife or husband, which hardens them against biblical uh, thought later on. And in fact, once they've done something as important as get a divorce based on those things, it's hard for them to walk back from it. And so, we, you know, you try and have a relationship with some people who will reflect the values that the congregation has when they help people walk through those very difficult times. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, and the loser in most of this becomes the child who becomes uh, often a, a secondary or tertiary thought in the process. And so, man, we've covered a lot of ground today, Kevin, uh, in some of the, the issues, not just dealing with the child and the parent, but then also how the church can become involved. I, I think that's a critical piece of the puzzle, right, is we talk about how we individually engage on the, on the counseling level, which is so critical. It's the bridge that now helps us think through in the church. How do we minister to all the needs? of of this single parent at this moment? Uh, and, and then by proxy, how do we minister to the child uh, with some of the difficulties as well? I, I love the way that you describe that, not just individually, but then also broadening that to this burden that the church is going to help the single parent walk through. Uh, what a beautiful picture um, that's, commend, that's commendable for us uh, that we have responsibility to engage uh, at this level. Thank you so much for walking us through that and explaining some of those details. I really appreciate that time. Thanks for the privilege. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, as I mentioned before, we covered a lot of ground today on this issue of helping children through the problems of divorce. I want to make sure that you know that uh, Dr. Backus was able to present a uh, breakout session at our recent annual conference in October of 2019 on this very subject. I would encourage that you go listen to that. And the reason is because he's going to go into a lot more detail to explain some of the issues. And you probably need to, to slow that down, to listen to all the points, because some of the points that he's mentioning are absolutely vital and critical as we take care of those who are among us who are children. Jesus makes very clear call for us to make sure we're taking care of those children among us. And so some important information there that I want to encourage you to, to make sure that you, you go and listen to. Let me also mention one other resource that I think might be helpful as well. ACBC, we are working on this high school curriculum where we're trying to help homeschool and Christian high schools think through this issue of social sciences, and we're replacing it with a curriculum where we're describing biblical counseling and biblical counseling methodology in uh, the high school curriculum. And we're trying to help students through issues just like this one, where a student would have to think through case studies and issues that come up in their life, like bullying, like divorce, uh, like issues of sexuality, and give them a biblical mentality as they rebut those philosophies and empty deceptions that they face on a consistent basis. So if these two resources are of interest to you, can I encourage you to visit our store and our website at biblicalcounseling.com.